everybody. Welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. We appreciate you being here and supporting the show and uh, tell a friend. Do check out contact at drdrew.com if you'd like to recommend some guests. We're happy to take suggestions there. And, uh, you know, do support the people that support us. Check out my friends at The Wellness Company. And uh, we try to select people very carefully that uh, support the show. So please, it's, uh, you know, we're sort of on the heels of the holiday season. Maybe uh, send us something, something the way that people support us. We appreciate it very, very much. And don't forget uh, TV where you can see the streaming program Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Generally, it's 3 o'clock Pacific time today i'm excited to welcome nurse blake uh blake has an extraordinary path from nursing to comedy he talks about how humor can help us work through trauma he's played a major role in banned for life which is a media social media campaign to get the fda to end the lifetime ban on gay men from donating blood which was bizarre uh as though as though being gay was was the marker for infectivity or something it's just just bizarre but uh but a lot for us to talk about blake in terms of many of the bizarre aspects of our healthcare system thank you for joining me yeah thanks so much for having me on and uh, you've also got NurseCon at sea well first of all where's your website where do you want people to Uh, go you can find me nurseblake.com i'm you know everywhere linkedin facebook it's all as nurse nurse Blake. You got all those addresses. Okay, good. Yeah. And then a nurse conducts at sea caught my attention. I'm like, well, I want to go on a cruise. What's going on here? What's that? So it's a whole ship, 3,500 nurses. It's insane. It goes out every year and we bring on drag queens and educators and it, it's, it's pretty much the ultimate nursing conference. I don't know about you, but I've been to a lot of boring healthcare conferences. Oh my God. I, I I sort of stopped going to them in person. I'd look for stuff online now because it's just so stultifying. And I do as many tests and things like that that I can do to sort of meet my demands. And I, actually, I get way more out of it than sitting there listening to lectures I don't want to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> so so why not listen to a lecture on the ocean with a margarita? That's what I'm talking about. So, uh, so let's I, – I almost don't know where to start with you because – you know, let's start with this. Let's start with what you said when when we opened our conversation before the mics heated up. With the you're the doctor, and and I, it made me bristle a little bit in a weird way because I have nothing but gratitude for nursing colleagues, and and also I have like concern that the public doesn't understand the fund of knowledge that nursing has. They'd rather turn to some. I don't know what, you know, some sort of para, you know, I don't know how people are being trained anymore. While nursing has not only the training, the experience, but the judgment to actually help people with medical stuff. Give me your take on the landscape. So I have to say, and support back to all the doctors, because you all work really, really hard. I know no matter where you work in healthcare, we're extremely short staffed, but I always think there is a little beef between the doctors and the nurses which is super fun to like play around and joke with. But at the end of the day, you know, we all got to support one another, care for the patients. There and, shouldn't uh, be though. There really, it's odd to me that there ever would be. There I, shouldn't be. So, so I, I, you know, you're, you've done a lot of uh, ER work, right? That's mostly where you've been. Is that true? Mostly adult trauma. Yeah. In, in the ER setting, right? Not the ICU. A little bit setting. also in the ICU. Okay. I've done both. So, so I spent a lot of time in ERs and ICUs, a lot of time. And all that time, was hanging out with nursing. I don't hang out with physicians in the ICU. I hang out with the nurses. And we were a team. Uh, and I like working in teams. In fact, now I think about it, my um, my addiction unit, when I ran that, 
the reason I kept doing it is I just had such respect and admiration for my team of which nursing was the keyest component. So I don't understand what the fuck is wrong with my peers that they would ever, ever have any weird feelings about nursing. No, it's so funny. I mean, sometimes it's like a pissing contest, you know, who, who's got the say for the patient. And then we always joke that the residents come in every, every July, yep. you know, yep. um, but I've always been one to, you know, support one another. I, I've also worked in the ER and ICU, and I feel like those units are a little better. You have to work closer together. But when you're on a floor like med surge or step down, you don't see the doctor all the time. You don't really know. Who yeah, you're yeah, yeah, there is a little right. And there and there's a little particularly if you're on a late night shift or something, there's a little irritability that comes through, <laughs> I'm sure. So <laughs> And I, I I really tried hard not to do that, but I, w- I would find myself getting irritable if people couldn't communicate to me, that they couldn't tell me, because uh, I'd, I'd go into kind of a panic, like, well, this is now right. the biggest link in the system is me understanding what you're trying to tell me. And, and if I don't really get it, we got a problem and the patient's got a problem. But, 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 but back to nursing being more upfront, I, I, I mean, I think people are getting it with nurse practitioners and and sort of understanding a little more because of that, but you don't have to be a nurse practitioner to be a source of really significant medical information. No, I mean, even through the pandemic, you would think that the public would understand a little more about what nurses do, which, which I think they do. We are the most trusted profession, obviously, and the hottest profession. Um, I don't know if that's a thing, but it should be. Um, (laughs) But no, definitely. I feel like, we get a lot of slack. Like we just follow doctor's orders. No, we're not smart enough to get into no, medical no, school. No, 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 no. Yeah. That's what I hear all the time though. Or you're just in nursing to date a doctor. Hey, I listen, I once recently, when I, I had my prostate out a few years ago and uh, the nurse that came in the room at, at time of discharge, I just, I really, I thought, Oh man, this, this woman, is smart, like super crazy smart. And I started thinking about my peers and I started worrying about them. <laughs> like, I, you know, I don't get to see that kind of smarts all the time amongst my peers, which is, uh, again, uh, um, interesting. Interesting. I think that nursing students and, um, you know, medical students should train together. I think that's where we should be introduced to one Like in another. the classroom? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, start us out in school doing clinical rotations together because we kind of start out not idea. knowing what each other do. And then yeah. it just causes so much toxicity. It, well, and, the, and, you know, and the, you're, you know, you're complaining about the residents coming in the, they, they're freaked out, you know, I know, you know, they're I, I feel out for, for a, them. Yeah. Of multiplicity of reasons. They're freaked out a, because they either, they've maybe just gone from internship to resident in, in a day, all of a sudden people are going, well, you make the decisions right yeah. now, which is they, they are not, uh, there's no transition. There's no yeah. sort of, you know, here's the things you need to pay attention to while you make the, nothing, just do it. Uh, and same thing as they go up the scale, it's like, okay, yeah. now you are the lead surgeon in the case. Go, good luck. Yeah. And it's like, oh. I couldn't do it. I'm glad I'm not, I'm not, I'm so glad I'm not on that side. Yeah, but that, I definitely think it starts in school. Part. Yeah, that's a challenging part. So now I want I want to get into what you've done with your career, the integration of all these things, which I love. And let me, you're doing all this social media and you're using humor. And now both nursing and medicine, at least when I was, you know, deep in it, were 
military style systems, both in terms of how they trained and how they administer themselves, especially nursing. Nursing is a very, it's like a military unit. And so when somebody steps outside of the usual military, um, what's the word? Countenance, (laughs) military countenance, the, you hear from above. Uh, and yet there, you're not alone. There are other, I've seen other nurses do similar kinds of things. Right. And certainly during the pandemic, lots of dancing and things that people got, (laughs) but they were, but they were sort of, sort of applauded for that. Um, but I thought to myself, well, you can only go so far because, so, cause I stepped out of line in 1984. I don't know if you know this about my history, but I was, uh, given this opportunity to go on a radio program. And at the time, one Anthony Fauci was pounding on the younger physicians to go out and talk about this thing that we were just starting to call AIDS. We just isolated a causative agent that we called HTLV3. And when I went into the studio, I was shocked that young people had never heard of it. I couldn't believe it. And it was considered, when I started doing it, bizarre that a physician would talk to young people about reproductive health and sexuality. That was, that was outlandish. And trust me, I was, Oh my God, I went through so many crucibles of fire. So what were your stories? What happened to you? I'm guessing somebody called you in somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to say, unfortunately, there are not a lot of hospitals or organizations that ever give nurses the mic. So thank you so much for having me on. And unfortunately, because I'm so outspoken and such an advocate, no hospital will hire me. Like what? I can't ever get through the HR process because they're like, number one, your mouth is bad. We've seen your show. We see what you do on social media. There's no way we're going to have you, you know, represent our company. You, need, nurses, you know what you need? You know what you need? What? A, law- a lawyer. <laughs> because <laughs> that, is, that is insane to yeah. me. That is not okay. Yeah, you see it all the time. Nurses will make a video about education and hospitals are like, absolutely not. They get fired. Oh, man, you need to fight that. That is not good. That That is, I'm not surprised. I, I, well, I thought you would just be getting shit that you had to fight your way through. I'm, I am no. blown away that they would be so far as to yeah. be clearly discriminatory in their hiring practices because of somebody participating in the current state of communications. I'm just, I, I, you need a lawyer, man. (laughs) I I want to see you, you got to do this because this, this is all right. So keep going. So what, what else has happened? Were you fired from a job because of it? (laughs) No, luckily I wasn't fired from a job for it, but I know a lot of nurses who have been fired for it. And what are the, I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted. And and what is it they take issue with specifically? Social media is what they say. Um, yeah, but but what that. is it? What did you say that is so? I, to me, it's a it's a First Amendment issue for God's sakes. But what, what did you say that is so reprehensible? You can't be hired as a quality nurse. I always I'm sure get your on record staffing. is unblemished. I mean, I always get on staffing. I get on staffing issues all the time, and hospitals really don't like that. So when I started social media in 2017. I would actually get hired to speak at a lot of hospitals and nursing organizations, but I would have to say what they wanted me to say. Of and I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. So then I started doing my own shows and really ramping up my social media and talking about what I wanted to talk about issues that affect nurses and patients. And now I'm just kind of unapologetically me. I talk about issues I want to talk about. I don't have to ever look over my shoulder to see if a hospital 
you know, is watching my back. And I'm able to say what nurses are. I I understand you and you need that freedom and you need to break free like that. But at the same token, those of us that, you know, have these skill sets, we need to use them. And, and, And they're kind of, I don't like it when people, or on the sideline with a bunch of skills that can be useful to people. You know what I mean? Not just yourself, people you could serve. And that, that really troubles me because of, because of speaking your mind. That's just bizarre to me. All right. I'm very excited to tell you about this shoe. I don't talk about shoes very often, but uh, these guys got me. They are a G defy shoes, G D E F Y. It's a departure from the ordinary. It's backed by a groundbreaking clinical study conducted by UCLA and others seem to be clinging to their marketing budgets and their celebrity endorsements. But uh, G defy is <laughs> they are going for investment into the shoe. Imagine that. And I'm telling you something, hold the shoe, wear the shoe, and you will know immediately what I am talking about. Once you wear these shoes, hold just hold the shoe. You'll see the difference in quality. But they don't rely on the old uh, sort of run-of-the-mill memory foam sole that you're used to. G-Defy stands apart with its patented and meticulously designed sole construction. Great support. And I, look, I was running on it today, and I thought to myself, why am I enjoying running so much? I thought, oh, it's the shoe. It, I, I kid you not. I had that experience, that conversation with myself. Thank you, G-Defy. Visit gdefy.com because your feet deserve more than just another pair of shoes. And here's a little extra for our listeners. Use the discount code DREW30 for an exclusive $30 off all orders over $150 or more. You heard it right. A little gift from G-Defy to your feet. Visit gdefy.com for $30 off $150 or more with code DREW30. All right. So, oh man, you, do you ever thought about getting an NP license or something and maybe just doing that? Oh, kind of stuff? am I going to go back to school? Absolutely not. Okay. No, right. it wouldn't be that no, hard for you. It'd be pretty no easy. No way. All oh right. My gosh. Okay. Okay. So you have, but, but you, because you wanted to be a, I read some of your stuff where you wanted to be a nurse your whole life. And so I, it sort of breaks my heart a little bit on a certain scale that you can't yeah. keep doing that. No, it's okay. You know, um, running the nursing conference. Sorry, I sound like a lesbian right now. I just did my hundredth comedy show, and I kind of lost my voice. Nice, but um, sound like my lesbian cousin Mandy. Um, she's gonna laugh when she hears this. <laughs> but um, yeah, now I now I run one of the largest nursing conferences. Yeah, I thought so. you sounded like one of the Simpsons sisters, actually. Not a, they could be gay too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. I sound like a straight man. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, so, so go ahead. Yeah, I've interrupted you. Finish your thought there. Oh yeah. You know, now I kind of like lead my own path. I think nursing could take you so many different places. Yeah. And now I lead, you know, 90 people to do nurse kind of see every year. So, and that, and that is really, really cool. a, yeah. And that is really one of the nice things about clinical medical training. You can do a lot of stuff with it. That's very useful, but you didn't, you didn't really flush out my statement about how nursing is not used enough front and center. Pharmacy is the same way. I feel the same way about pharmacy, by the way. These, there, there are disciplines in medicine. There, there are highly trained clinicians, highly trained biologists and scientists that need to be up front more in this, this modern world of medicine, and they just aren't. These um, hospitals won't let us. Uh, I mean, they, they will not uh, let us do it. They will God, not you're, let us oh, do Everything it. you say is grossing me out. It's I know, it's terrible. bad. It's the, the centralization of authority is killing, is making it's it really bad awful. for patients. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. my goodness. All right. You need to, 
please do me a favor. If you leave this this conversation, <laughs> one thing, think in a problem solving way about how to create a parallel something of service economy, something other than what you're doing that goes directly to patients on behalf of nursing because it, sure. it needs to happen. All right. As far as you mentioned uh, sounding like a straight male, which uh, thus you are not. Uh, so, but you had a you you've had a you had a story coming out, which I I just sort of saw alluded to a couple of places. Did you have a difficult time with that? Um, yeah, coming out. I um, one of my cousins was watching me. She was in her twenties. I was uh, fifteen. I don't know why I needed a babysitter, but she saw me kissing a boy who I had to come over, and um, she outed me unfortunately to my family. Oh. And it did not go over well. Okay, so hold, so let's slow down. So was that a was that a relationship with that boy? Uh, a little bit. A little like bit. We were kind of just seeing each and, other. And yeah. so, were you comfortable with your sexuality up to that point? Did you were you clear about things, or were you just unclear? No, I was uh, no, I was comfortable in my sexuality. Like yeah. I knew I was gay. Okay, um, so but I wasn't ready to let anybody know. Okay, but you. But I'm just gonna make sure that you already weren't having, you know, ambivalent feelings about it, or yeah. you know, that they just inflamed. So you were, you were clear, you were cool with it, and then your it's your cousin. Yep. And what's your ethnic background? White American. Because there's certain ethnicities, right, where it's like, oh my god, you know, I'm from Florida. <laughs> is, it, is it bad in florida i don't from know. florida it's coming out worse florida. in florida it's bad in florida it's almost a comedy routine but i'm sorry to hear that so what happened so like the next day my parents pulled me out of high school oh my um, i was sent across the street to see a priest who was also a counselor so again slow down we we a very religious family to that point no they weren't religious at all which was so funny or they Catholic? i was actually the religious one and and the priest is he helpful? Is he supportive? Is he making things oh, worse? Oh God, making it worse. Uh, like you could change. You don't know you're gay. That's oh, thing. you're gonna go to hell. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. So how did this play out? So I went through conversion therapy for <gasps> about four years. When was this? Fifteen to eighteen. But how old are you now? Uh, Thirty-two. Weren't those things already illegal by that point? Mm, no, they weren't. They were out of Florida, actually. Exodus International, um, one of the leaders, uh, Alan Chambers, uh, was from oh, Florida. I remember. I heard about that. So I was a part of that program for, for quite a while. It, how long were you in there? Uh, four years. Now, it wasn't something I was like in every day. It was like an annual thing, but I also went to counseling on a regular basis. And uh, yeah, it was really hard, but at the time, I was like, oh, it's fine. It's whatever. But it really didn't hit me until six years ago. I really like struggled with the trauma of it all. And, and can you describe that to me, what, what that trauma was specifically? Yeah, I uh, had a panic attack. I was driving home from work. And this is actually when I started creating videos um, mm. in 2017. I was like super stressed. I had been a nurse for a few years. I was burnt out. Mm. I was, um, I, I'm going through divorce right now. But um, I was married to a guy. Yeah. We've been together 12 years, married for six. And I was just having some, you know, relationship issues and stuff. And kind of all of that trauma, you know, kind of started coming back up in the drama between my parents and my family. Um, So over the past few years, I've been in and out of counseling and therapy and stuff. Which is a good thing. And and did the therapist immediately sort of put his or her finger on the source of this? Yeah, we did EDMR therapy. 
EMDR, yeah, yeah. And it all kind of goes back to when I came out when I was 15. Wow. Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's pretty deep. The EMDR work for, I'm so sorry. I, I'm so sorry that people do this to young people. Yeah, did EMDR work for you? It worked really, really good. I'm someone yeah. who suffers from, I just, I, I can't focus on a lot of things when they happen at once. So just mm-hmm. hearing the beeping was allowed me to, you know, really focus and, and uh, kind of let my mind just, just go places where my therapist wanted to take me. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I, I, I thought we were, it's so, it's just, I, I sort of overwhelmed because I, I thought we had resolved ourselves to what's good for young people's development and mental health. And the fact that you were subjected to that is just, you know. I think it's still legal in a lot of States. Is it really? I, I, it is. I, it's, but it's, it's been so thoroughly condemned by the medical no. communities. I don't know how they get the practitioners and things, but okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Um, but guess what? So gay. My parents what? never got a refund. What? They never got a refund. Oh, man. They should sue them. What a bad I, treatment. I actually learned some of my best tricks there, Dr. Drew. For what? <laughs> you for, know. For, oh, gay tricks. <laughs> oh, good for you. So, hey, being surrounded by, you know, a thousand other gay guys isn't necessarily bad. Oh, my God. That's so interesting. That's so funny. Well, so so good. I'm glad you're here now and you made it through all that. And I'm sorry about your marriage not working out. That That's traumatic no matter what. Uh, is that all? Are you kind of through that now? Not yet. In the middle of it right now. The boy. Okay. Um, I, I'm sort of a little overwhelmed, but I didn't expect this part of your story. It's kind of so kind of overwhelming and disturbing to hear about. I, I, don't, I don't like that kind of stuff. Um, who does? Let's be fair. So... Now you're doing videos. How did that happen? So, yeah. So, like I said, I was driving home from work and I had just that feeling of like impending doom. I'm like, oh my God, my heart's racing. I can't breathe. You know, I'm going to die. So, I pulled over. I was living in Houston, Texas at the time and I called, you know, 911. I'm like, I'm dying. Oh and she's like, I'm like, I can't breathe. She's like, no, you're talking. So, you can <laughs> breathe. And I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm a nurse. I should know this. Yeah. And um, they came out. Did they talk you down without having to get the paramedics in there? Uh, no, they, they had the paramedics come out. Yeah, just in case. And I realized it was a panic attack. And I just needed kind of an outlet, you know. And I started making videos just for myself. And they quickly, you know, went viral. A lot of other nurses were able to relate to them. So um, now, I, now I continue making content. I do it when I want. So it definitely still helps me in my, you know, in my mental health journey you know, that I think we go through our whole life. And tell um, me about some of the, the, the things you've observed, you know, the experiences we all have in ER that you're making fun of that you get. Oh, traction. everything. I mean, talk about a flexi seal. Do you know what a flexi seal is? I'm sure I've seen that. Is that for, where is that? It's a poop tube. Yeah. Yes. It's uh, the tube sure. that goes in the ass. So if you have a patient yeah. who's got like liquid loose stool, you know, yeah, you put that in there, right? Yeah. And you fill it up with water so it doesn't fall out. And yeah. I was working in a neuro ICU and this patient, she just grabbed hers and pulled out her ass tube. Yep. And swung it around oh. like it was no one's business. Nice. And it went literally, it went everywhere. So um, wait, was she in a coma or something? Like a waking coma? No, she she was she was aware. Oh my God. She was aware. And it just she went. Was, she was punishing you guys. Interesting. I, it went, and you know what? That's when I should have left nursing, Doctor Drew. Like that should have been my sign. So I, I've had, a, I've had several, many 
uh, experiences with the, uh, whether it's a, uh, a urinary catheter or an anal, you know, the, the, those, <laughs> anal, those anal tubes never really worked. They'd always get clogged up, right? They just don't work very well. Unless somebody has yeah. just liquid, liquid, liquid diarrhea. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had experiences with people blowing them out and then throw, and then <laughs> goes everywhere, right? It's been everywhere. backed up and it goes, and not from the, not from the tube, from the anus because everything's right. so backed Shit up behind everywhere. It. Yeah. Everywhere. Uh, I've had that happen. Uh, and then on the urinary and the, and the anal side, I've also had people ripping the shit out of themselves and then bleeding everywhere. Right. I mean, they ripped their Foley catheter out and it's like a balloon. It's like yeah. a, a small balloon, but it's still a balloon, you yeah. know, coming out of your penis. You're like, yeah. ow. Yeah. And it, it just, so it, and it, things tear and it's bleeding, bleeding, bleeding. And, uh, that can be a whole thing. <laughs> it could be a whole, not, now you've got a new problem you're, you're contending with, which is the urethral strictures and God knows what up in the, in the prostatic urethra and things. It's just a mess. So yeah, these are all things that people don't think about. <laughs> they don't think about. What, what else, what else gets on your, on your uh, radar? I always talk about, you know, things that we find up our patients, you know, ass that shouldn't be there. And everyone's got a wild story. I had a patient come in to the ER with a Febreze can. And Dr. Drew, when I say it smelled like spring rain, it smelled like spring rain. Nice. <laughs> and, he was, he course, got what he was looking for. No, no matter what. <laughs> they're always like, oh, it was an accident. I just oh, slipped. Yeah. It was an accident. I, I always, like, okay. always, I sat on it. Always. Always. Right? always. I, I don't know. I don't know what the human being, uh, what makes a human being think that a, a staff in an emergency room is going to go, oh, okay, you sat on the Fabrizio. Right. I yeah. get it. Okay. Well, I, it, you know, it's interesting. It, it, back in my day when I was working in ERs, it was always I sat in it. I've noticed in recent <laughs> years, there's a little more of, yeah, we were, we were fucking around. <laughs> we <got this> <laughs> people are more honest. Yeah. It's a little more like uh, some people are not ashamed of that stuff anymore. They used to be I, um, ashamed of it. I asked people during my show, I'm like, what have you seen of your patient's asses? Should it be there in this one girl? She's like, oh my God, like, you're not going to believe it. And I was like, what? She said, a dildo. I was like, girl, no, what is not supposed to be out there? Right. Exactly. Exactly. The, the, this is, this is when, when, but, but, you know, we've, I've had people have to go to surgery for the, for the vibrators. Oh. Oh, if they yeah. get stuck and they the blood supply gets compromised because of how it's positioned or something, uh, and and I've also had surgical when I I haven't seen this since I was like a intern, but I've had surgical residents put their whole arm up there to get it out. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and, and go get it, and they got it, and avoid the surgery. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. So that's uh, life in the ER. You've heard me talk before about Sugar Shift Probiotic by BiotiQuest. And of course, navigating probiotics can be a little overwhelming. But the BiotiQuest Sugar Shift is here to make it easier for you. It's a game changer. What makes Sugar Shift stand out is that it doesn't just restore the gut microbiome. It's hoping to address inflammation and some of these nasty sugar cravings that certainly I am prone to. And keeping that blood sugar steady is a very important goal. Curious about how it works? Sugar Shift converts glucose and fructose in the gut to the prebiotic mannitol, a free radical that promotes more diverse microbiome. It's a scavenger. Eight probiotic strains not found in other probiotics. This patented formula is changing the probiotic standards. BiotiQuest patented formula is speaking volumes about our gut, and you need the right 
product to restore harmony. And here's the exciting part. You can get 15% off the first three months of your SugarShift subscription with promo code DREW15. While results may vary, clinical trial results indicate the best results come at three months and beyond. Take charge at BiotiQuest, B-I-O-T-I-Q-U-E-S-T dot com with code DREW15. So I, I want to talk a little more about uh, gay in America. I, I, I'm, you know, I, I, your story was so sort of awful. I, I don't know if this is pertinent for you, but I've been talking to some of my gay friends recently and I've noticed, I don't know if this is a new thing or, or quite what I'm seeing. So you're gonna have to explain this to me, but, okay. but they will often say something like, you know, uh, you know, along the road, a lot of people say, no, I'm bisexual or I'm pansexual. And, and really they're gay and, and they'll, and not, I'm not saying that everybody, yeah. and by the way, stop it, everybody. I'm not saying everybody that is pansexual is gay or is bisexual. I'm saying that my gay friends usually have a stage along the way where they're, it can be quite long where they're sort of, and when they look back, they will say things like, Oh, it's so hard to I'd be judged and, and or people you don't understand the stigma and stuff. And and I thought and and I've started asking now. Now you're you were in Florida, I'm in California, so it's different, right? Uh, but I've started asking, like, who did that to you? Did your did your parents say that? No, not my parents. Did, did your peers? No, no, my parents my peers thought it was great. <laughs> I was gay. It's like where did where do you internalize that from? Where in today's world save Florida, I guess. I didn't realize. Where is Where are those messages coming through to you? And it made me wonder if it has something to do with the parents that, that, that subtly in some way they feel like they're disappointing their parents or something because they're not going to have a heterosexual relationship like their parents or, or something of that order. What, what, you tell me what, what you think that is. Yeah, I've just recently experienced this. My uh, lesbian cousin, Mandy, mm. she, um, she she's just not wanted out of you, is she? No, different cousin, (laughs) different cousin. Um, She just turned 40 and she just came out a few months ago. And when she came out and told everyone and the family, I was there and they were like, no, you're not. Yeah. She's like, no, like literally I am. They're like, but you used to sleep with guys, but you love men. You always used to talk about men. And she's like, no, like I'm an adult. I'm 40. I know what I am. It took me a while to get there. Mm. And a lot of it is because her mom used to be homophobic. When she was growing up. So there you go. But, but let's say, let's say there is a homophobic parent. Let's say they can't put their finger. Cause I've encountered this a lot lately where they can't put their finger on where it's why they felt the way they did. And and I'm trying to figure out where the vestiges are in, in, or in places where there doesn't seem to be any. I think, you know, in Florida all the time, like it's Florida, stop. No, stop with the Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly things are not, they're different. I, I, I'm shocked here what you went through in Florida. (laughs) Save me. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, but uh, it, 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 my sense has been since we got over our consternation about gay marriage, things just kind of settled. And and maybe it's something historically that people went through when they were in their adolescence or something, and we're just moved past some of that now. They're not they can't put their finger on it because it's not around right now so much. But go ahead, tell me what Florida, what's happening in Florida? <laughs> Everything. It's not good here, Doctor Drew. Save us. But I've been no. in what part of Florida. I'm in Orlando. Yeah, because I was going to say you go down to South Beach. I think things are cool. <laughs> no, things, are, things like are much. 
Things are much better in South Beach. Um, things are okay in Orlando. You know, I joke about Orlando. It's, I think it's just because I'm, I was born and raised here. Uh, I did live a little bit in California, so it was very nice to be welcomed and loved and supported. But in Florida, it's just a lot of, you know, a lot of politics down here. Yeah. Um, so a lot of racism, a lot of homophobia, um, especially when I was gay so in nursing school. To hear that. Especially in nursing school, you see it in healthcare all the time. What did you see? That, you know, some of my nursing professors um, were homophobic. Um, you know, you see patients that'll say, I don't want a queer taking care of me. I don't want a gay guy, you know, looking at me, touching me. Um, so, you, so you see it and you don't really think about it, but it all internalizes itself. Mm-hmm, that for sure would. Well, I, I, bel- I believe in my heart we're getting through that as a country. I think uh, it's getting better. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm really, I don't see that stuff out here. And so I'm guessing, and we we do tend to at least socially kind of lead the way in California, I think. But Florida used to too, to be fair. So I don't know. Um, okay. So let's talk more about your your videos and what you're up to now. What what how do you do your work? How, how do you do you just do stand-up also? Is that what how do you what's your craft right now? <laughs> so right now I just ended my uh, hundred show comedy tour which is so fun. I got to see like 150,000 nurses and it's so cool. The different ages that come out. Cause there'll be like a nursing student who's 20, you know, laughing and drinking next to a nurse in their eighties. Um, so in addition to my comedy tour, I, um, I run and manage nurse comment C, which is definitely a full-time project. Mm. So we give accredited education to nurses and let them kind of go out and have a fun time and, you know, have a drink and try to fal- balance the fun and uh, professionalism. No, that is nursing. Is it only your comedy really only for nursing? Is is that inside baseball? I would think everybody would find this funny. Everyone finds it funny. I have people that aren't in healthcare at all. They come to my show and have just as much fun. And where do you want to find out about your tour? Nurseblake.com. You can find everything on my website, nurseblake.com. All my updates. And give me, give me a little hint of what's coming up video wise. Oh, coming up video wise. Yeah. Oh, I do the series. Um, the real nurses of 4B. So it kind of mimics the real housewives because there's so much drama in nursing. It's actually, it's, it's really funny the different types of nurses that there are. So and they're all very stereotypical. Talk to me about it. I, I'm curious because I, I bet I'm familiar with them all, but I, Just I, couldn't, like, I, I couldn't break it down that off the top of my head. Like even when it comes to scrubs, like there's only a certain number of different brands of scrubs like Dickies is a brand. Yeah. Um, and it's always the straight, white, male, bald nurses that were Dickies. Carhartt, all the lesbians that drive a Subaru. Which one is that? Which 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 uh, green is that? Car- 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 Carhartt. Yeah. Carhartt's a brand. It's just like really boxy scrub. Okay, like it's just okay. like really Got thick. It. It's real like butch and lesbian. Okay. Got and it. then you ha- then you have figs, which is the new scrub brand. Uh, all the Gen Z nurses wear figs. They're like $125. And I'm like, listen, you, you, I mean, they fill up their gas tank $10 at a time, these nursing yeah. students. Yeah. They're sharing a Netflix account to save $12.99 a month. But yet they want to look sexy and they're $125 scrub. Not only so, that, but the idea of scrubs was just, you don't have to think about your clothing at all. So you can get no blood and shit on what it, whatever. You look like. yeah. No one cares what you look like. Yeah. It's, um, so it's so stereotypical. And then what, what goes on? See, I don't get, I don't get as, um, 
exposed to what goes on between and amongst nursing in terms of the housewife kinds of stuff? What, what kind of conflicts <laughs> come up? So I would say, you know, you know, that nurse that's really smart, right? That yeah. they're, they're super smart. They know what they're doing. Yep. Typically kind of an asshole and kind of bitchy. Then you just it, have it, the young. It, they're, they're, um, they don't suffer fools gladly. Oh, Drew, I don't know what that means. Um, they, they are impatient. They're impatient. You're just supposed to oh. keep up with them kind of thing, right? You'll learn, you will learn the most from them. Yeah. But they're going to be a bitch to you. Yeah. And one of my trainers was like that. I was so scared of her. Yeah. But I learned the most. When you, when you say a bitch, because there's different versions of bitch nurse, right? There, there's really a, a harsh, aggressive personally. They, they like to personally come after you. And then there are people that just <laughs> will sort of make you feel dumb, right? And, and I'm guessing it's that latter category you're talking about. Yeah, this is going to, she's going to make you feel dumb. Yeah. But yeah she's going to yeah. teach you what's up. She's going to yeah, take you yeah. under her wing. She's yeah. going to shit on you, right? Yeah. She's yeah. going to chew your food and then give it to you. But yeah, yeah. you'll love her in the long run. Yeah. And then you have the nurse managers that are never there. Mm. They are always in a meeting. When shit's going wrong, they just send in, you know, a Papa John's pizza. <laughs> they're, they're never there on the weekends. They're never there at night. When I worked nights, I never saw my nursing manager. I That's was why like, they took the job. It's a it's a nine five job. Yeah. But they but That's I'll tell you what though, they have more paperwork than anybody. They have so much BS paperwork. It's it's just terrible. I feel so bad for them. Yeah, me I too. really, my heart goes out to them because I yeah. would never want to be them. They're in a horrible spot. Could you imagine? Could you imagine just for a a given diagnosis on a given unit coming up with the policies and procedures that makes Jayco happy? <laughs> You're happy? Just just one would, diagnosis on one unit, and they have they would. What are you holding up freak there? Freak out about my water bottle right now. Oh yeah. Nurse station. I've yeah. gone after Jayco joint commission so many times. Yeah. Um, and if you don't know what joint commission is, or this like organization that comes in and they tell nurses what they can and cannot do, but hospital. they are paid Everything by the hospital. Everything. They're paid by the hospital. Yeah. It's a, it's like is, a, it's a review company essentially to come in and tell you what you're doing wrong. And, and they change their, I think they've even changed their name again. Now they call themselves something a little different. They change it all the time. Yeah. To, and, and, so people don't know who they are. That's right. And, and they, and the, I, I like, for instance, <laughs> I did a, you know, I was managing a u- drug unit and uh, they came in one year and they go, we need a summary every week and where I can go to one place and summarize everything that's going on with the patient in the preceding week with, you know, their, their biological state, their medical state, their social, you know, what's going on, their addiction thing, their withdrawal symptoms, their family, where I can just go to, and they kept saying it over again, where I could just go to one place and get it all. And I go, okay, done. So for the next what is it? Three years between reviews, two years or something. I, I, I create those documents every, every week. And they were two to three pages, single space, lengthy reviews of what was going on with that patient. It's kind of an interesting exercise. I'd really get into the grit of what's going on with each patient. And uh, now they come back and they go, well, this is a summary. And I go, yeah, you asked for a summary. They go, no, no, we want an integrated, they had some of the name for it, an integrated something. They want, we want you to give me the new conclusions that you've come to as a result of integrating all the material from the previous week. I was like, oh, for, uh, I, I just like, I, oh, this is impossible. This is just impossible. I'm trying to take care of a patient and save someone's life. And yeah. you want me to write a paper? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's and right. remove and, my and water. It's, it's like, it, no, it's so not. far from what 
is important, you know, but because it's so mind numbingly awful, that's why I feel really bad for nurse managers and particularly director of nursing. Oh my goodness. Or director. Could you imagine? I could never, I couldn't do it. I absolutely, I couldn't be in administration at a hospital. Yeah. Sorry about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It, it, people don't understand the, the a mountain of stuff they've got to create, and it's never right. It's never good enough. It's always, ugh. So, I, you know what? I always make what you go into medicine for the opposite. I mean, why would you? Oh, yeah, no one says, "Oh, I want to go into nursing to become a nurse manager." Like, <laughs> ill. Like that's so gross. <laughs> it's so gross. Oh, it's so God. funny when I make fun of nurse managers. I could tell the good ones from the bad ones because the good ones are like. That's so funny. I'm not like that. And the mean yeah. ones are like, why are you making fun of us? I'm like, oh, because wow. that's what you do. Yeah. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger show with the investigator who solved a serial killer case that had gone cold for decades. There was a definite spike in serial predator crime in the 1970s. Joe D'Angelo was a full-time law enforcement officer. He's breaking into houses in the middle of the night, raping women or girls that are home alone that he's binding up and sexually assaulting. He ended up committing 50 of these attacks in Northern California between 1976 and 1979 and just disappeared. The last thing I did in my career before I retired was I drove up and parked in front of his house. I didn't know he was a Golden State killer, but... I debated, should I just go knock on his door? This was such a brazen, brutal predator. He absolutely had to be caught. To learn more about how Paul Holes puts himself inside the minds of serial killers, check out episode 725 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. Sometime in the early 80s, REO Speedwagon's airplane made an unannounced middle-of-the-night landing. This is my friend Kyle McLaughlin, the star of Twin Peaks. And he's telling me about how he discovered a real-life Twin Peaks in rural North Carolina, not far from where he filmed Blue Velvet. What was on the plane was copious amounts of drugs coming in from South America. Supposedly, Pablo Escobar went looking for other spots, quiet, out-of-the-way places to bring in his cocaine. My name is Joshua Davis, and I'm an investigative reporter. Kyle and I talk all the time about the strange things we come across, but nothing was quite as strange as what we found in Varnumtown, North Carolina. There's crooked cops, brother against brother. Everyone's got a story to tell, but does the truth even exist? Welcome to Varnumtown. Varnumtown is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And how about the sort of interpersonal part of this? I, what are the personality things that you have to watch out for in, in nursing that can get, get become problematic day in and day out? So I think there's so many different generations of nurses. We have our yes. Gen Zers, right, yeah. who yeah. want to post on TikTok about how sexy nursing is. And then you have your, your older nurses who are 80 years old still taking care of patients yeah. on oxygen. And I'm like, girl, oh you're going to go from working in the ICU to being a patient in the ICU <laughs> from one shift. Oh my God. And I just think it's the lack of, of training and collaboration that really pins us against each other. Oh. At the end of the day, it's shift work, right? So you don't know who you're working with. You have a team, but just for that day, oh. you don't know who you're going to have 
the next day or next week. So you're really just looking out for yourself and your patients. Um, so, so, so I think there yeah. needs to be a lot more done. Yeah, um, that's bringing nurses I, together. I, you see, when I think about hanging out in the ER or the ICU, I, I expect a certain people to be there. There's a group of nurses that are always there and I, that's who I want to hang out with and talk to and, you know, share notes with and things. And it's so now. is that right? Is Especially that with travel nurses. Yeah. 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 The shortage. You walk into a unit, you're like, who are these 10 new people? They're like, we're just travel nurses. We'll be here for a month. And then you're like, and there's travel nurses are doing the same job and getting paid four times as much I as know. me doing the same job. I, that that seems like a source of tension right there. Particularly, That's just one example. Yeah. Particularly, by the way, a lot of them, I noticed, you tell me if this is true. I noticed this during the pandemic that a lot of those travel nurses were not ICU nurses to begin with and were ending up in ICU shifts and going, oh, it's, it's so overwhelming. People die. People die. Go, Dude, that's ICU work. People die in the ICU all the fucking time. time. 90% don't come out with the heartbeat. It's just the way the ICU is. And when I started hearing this, people die, I thought, oh, those aren't ICU nurses. They're traveling nurses that ended up in the ICU, right? It was such a mess during the pandemic. I mean, these travel nurse agencies just jumped on everyone. You can make $10,000 a week. Yeah. You know, and the nurses are like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. But then the hospitals just, throw them in without looking at a resume. So it was a nightmare. Yeah. It's still a nightmare. You, you have, you have confirmed what I was thinking at the time. Cause I was just like, did you, how long have you been working at ICU? You're worried about death. But that's why it all goes back to the hospital. The hospitals need to love their staff, pay them well and make sure they're staffed. And then that's what's caused this whole crisis for travelers well, also, is they can't keep any nurses. Well, the reason they weren't staffed is they were running lean to make maximize their profits right. and satisfy insurance companies. And so staffing is kept on a razor's edge. And then all of a sudden you had to expand your staffing and they couldn't do it. They yep. just couldn't do it. And, and that when you hear there aren't any beds, I want everybody who's listening to this podcast to, to immediately hear not no beds, no nurses because right. there's plenty of beds. The right. problem is nursing yes. to staff the beds, right? Yes, you're so yeah. right. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I was screaming that all during the pandemic. I said, no, no, yeah. no. And then they, or, they, or they'd say, the county has no ICU beds. Yes. Yes, the county is stretched to thin. That's a county system. The private right. hospital across the street, they have beds. beds. They will put they people there if they have to. Yep. Yeah. No, so. it's so true. But we're seeing nurses come out and strike in massive numbers. And mm-hmm. I think that to me is so promising. There's nurses at a new Brunswick, New Jersey. Um, they've been striking for over 130 days with no pay, no health insurance, but they're fighting for safe staffing. So it's yeah. really cool to see nurses, you know, come and advocate and really um, tell the yeah, hospitals. People, people like, don't understand right. that. that. That is your, one of your greatest risks in terms of safety and quality is the patient to nurse ratio ratio and they fuck with that by putting in cnas and things and you know they put all kinds of sort of not nursing sorts of people that then they call the nurses or they give them nursing responsibility and then the poor rn upstream is trying to be responsible for all that yeah that that's another game it's all a game it's a game because it's It's unfortunate it's bloated and centralized And it's under the control of the insurance companies. That's right. Or even if it's not insurance company, Medicare, Medi-Cal, it's just all it's way over centralized, way over bureaucratized. And that, that does not do well for patients for that. 
So I mentioned uh, Band for Life at the beginning of our little conversation. Tell me more about that and that experience. Yeah, so I was in nursing school back in 2012, 2014. One of my really good classmates uh, has sickle cell anemia. Mm. So she would be hospitalized all the time, you know, receiving blood transfusions. So she's like, Blake, you should go out and donate blood. And I'm like, no, I hate needles. And she's like, no, do it. So I went to try to donate blood. But then they're like, you can't because you're gay. And I was like, <laughs> excuse me? And they said the FDA bans gay and bisexual males from donating blood for life. When like, was this? When was that? 2013. Oh, so not that long ago. Yeah, not that long. And it's like, why is my blood different? I got glitter in my blood. Like, does it look <laughs> I, like a I rainbow? Would, I wouldn't mind that glitter blood. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. So oh, I um, took on the FDA in nursing school, and we got them to end the the lifetime ban. So it was a super cool. Um, I think moment in my life where I learned, you know, if you see something that's not right, that needs changed, uh, do it, give yourself a voice. And, uh, we got the FDA to change it. Some gay nursing student from Orlando, Florida, got the amazing. FDA to listen. Um, amazing. That's a phenomenal. And in what did you, just so people understand what you used as your argument, I, I can imagine, but, uh, but do you tell them what you actually did? Yeah, we would. We, well, what we did is we raised awareness on the issue because no one had ever heard of it before. And we would host blood drives around the country. So I would say, I'm banned. So can you donate blood in my place if you're eligible? We collected petition signatures. And our argument was that all blood is tested. So why discriminate and ban a whole group of people, you know, on, on, Something that's not scientifically based. It's discriminatory. Well, that's that's again, the part I assume you emphasize. Blood is tested. Yeah. 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 It's, it's not always a tested, but uh, even if somebody, <laughs> I mean, HIV, you know, if you, if your viral count is zero, your viral count is zero. <laughs> right. That is. Exactly. Uh, and uh, so there, there's, it's not about gay or not gay. It's about what is, you know, what, what, how many viral particles are flying around. That's it. Period. Yeah. It, it was a, a, a big issue again back when Pulse happened, you know, being from Orlando, Florida, the Pulse tragedy, the Pulse shooting uh, at the nightclub. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, you know, in that community wanted to donate blood because they needed a lot of blood donors. And mm. unfortunately, there was still a ban at that time. Mm. Um, so while we got the FDA to end the lifetime ban, there's been multiple iterations of it over the years. Um, so unfortunately, I'm still not able to donate blood. The FDA still doesn't let me. But hopefully one day, I'll be able to donate. Wait a minute. You can't, you can't donate now. So even though they lifted the lifetime ban, they put in place a one year deferral, which means I would have to say abstinent for a year. What? To blood. That yes. is so and then, bizarre. And then they changed it again during the pandemic. It was three months of abstinence. And now there's other protocols. Like if you take prep, um, uh, you know, the yeah. prophylactic you yeah. know, medication, you can't donate. There's so many different reasons why gay and bisexual males still can't donate blood, but we're still trying to fight them on, on most wow. issues. Wow, isn't that something? That's a yeah. really interesting situation. So maybe one day. And how do they, How by the way, do they document three months of abstinence? What, what, what exactly? They put a... Thank you. Sort of, what? I, 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 that's the question, right? How you put, do a, put a homing device on your penis or something? And it's like, what, what is the plan here, guys? Put an Apple AirTag on my asshole. <laughs> I, I, uh, hmm. Yeah. The, the more I learn about the FDA, the more concerned I am. 
because if, if so this were the only okay. irrational policy they had, I would be like, huh, what? How, why are <laughs> you not being sane? But they have lots of irrational policies, lots of them. And, and I've seen them in full display during COVID. Just mandating vaccines for a 22 year old or pushing vaccines on a 22 year old. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, what's the I risk just feel for like healthcare, healthcare is so outdated. And unfortunately, it needs to be run like a lot of the other industries, like the airline industry, which has so many, you know, safety precautions and the TSA that oversees. And it's just unfortunate that healthcare is always behind. We're always behind. Well, that's interesting that you say that because, um, first of all, I really think that young people in healthcare need to be, their instincts need to be applied to the the solutions to make things better. Um, But I I do feel like we need to try lots of different things. Uh, I got involved with this thing called a wellness company because of that. I wanted to try different things. And, and I, I just think different models. I, I know Mark Cuban's getting in there and trying different models. I just think we need to, it, it's so broken. It's so uh, bloated. It, it's time for, and unfortunately, because it's so regulated and so um, ossified in terms of its uh, you know, financial structure and stuff, it's very hard for people to break into it and, and to compete, to bring things to market yeah. that would actually compete. So it's going to be slow. It's going to be slow, but it's slow. It, it's got to happen. It's got to it happen. actually, I've been a nurse 10 years now, and it's so surprising that my same jokes still land 10 years later because the industry is stuck in that same place it was 10 years ago after yeah. all the things we learned over the hey, past you're, few you're years. You're telling stories that I recognize from my residency. Isn't it? Four years it's ago. wild. It's yeah. wild. Yeah. I mean, I was resident 84, really 85 to 88, 89, something like that. And, uh, some early eighties, you know, mid eighties and yeah, same stuff, same, same exact stuff, same, same shit. Yeah. So, well, listen, I appreciate you spending a little time with me and I appreciate the work you're doing. And, uh, I'm sort of still really troubled by this, uh, what you were subjected to as a kid. It's just, it's just so odd to me that it's still going on and that, you know, but hopefully, hopefully we're moving the right direction. I know we're moving the right direction. Uh, and so people are understanding these things. Um, what, what would you like people to do going forward? Where do you want them to find you? Do they want them to read your books? What, where should they go? You can find me on nurseblake.com. If you want to come to a show, treat a nurse, give them the best night ever, or encourage them to come on a nurse kind of seat, the ultimate nursing conference. That, that, and if you have medical questions, uh, and you know, nurses, ask them first, see what they have <laughs> they'll, they'll have opinions. They'll have ideas. Don't send me a picture of your rash, please. I swear to God, if I get one more picture yeah. from my best friends. Yeah, dermatology is not something I would necessarily <laughs> put you. on front Please don't. for nursing. Please don't. Yeah, that, but, but if you have really medical questions or questions about the system, especially, or questions about medication, by all means, ask your nursing friends. So, all right, my friend. Well, thank you for spending time with us, and uh, I'll keep a close eye on you. And if I can do more for you, let me know. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Like everybody. Thank you. See you next time. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Pluto TV. 
unravel the mysteries on shows like CSI and Criminal Minds, or follow the clues in Blue Bloods and NCIS. With thousands of free crime movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is the true home of crime. Download the Pluto TV app and start streaming now on live channels and on demand. You better run for your life. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never.